Welcome to Ensemble, where the sum of the whole is greater than its parts. This week's bite-sized podcast is going to summarize the most important stories in the financial and crypto world in just six minutes for you. My name is Dean, with me is Tim, and today we are your Ensemble. Well, Dino and Ensemblers, last week we dedicated the entire weekly summary to the SVB, your Silicon Valley Bank, bank collapse, and we were discussing the crazy story that ensued and really touched on what some of the contagion elements may be for the following week. Well, unfortunately, we can tell you that there has been a number of contagion. Dean, what's happened with Signature? What's happened with uh, with the rest of the market? Tim, the regulators came out and in essence said that they're not bailing out the banks, but rather guaranteeing the depositors their deposits. So the deposit insurance fund, which we spoke about last week, is currently sitting on over $100 billion. And what the regulators have now said is that the various banks who needed some form of bailout can now tap into the deposit insurance fund, take out a loan, and over the next year, those loans will have to be paid back by the bank to the deposit insurance fund. So just to be clear, this is the insurance that all of the banks pay into a communal pot in case something like this actually does occur. Now, the issue here is that because that because Silicon Valley Bank and Signature and Silvergate are all tapping into it, it's leaving the pot dry. So we are essentially at empty. In essence, this is more of a failsafe rather than an actual bailout. In 2008, we saw the various regulators actually bail out banks from, in essence, taxpayer money. This time, it comes from the deposit insurance fund in the form of a loan, and ultimately, it will be paid back over the next year. And this also means that it isn't the taxpayers actually footing the bill. But let's go on to some of the losers. And one of the biggest losers, if not the biggest, is unfortunately the Web3 and crypto space. Silvergate and Signature Bank, two of the three banks that collapsed, were typically the largest banks for crypto companies as they were the most friendly for crypto regulation. And Silicon Valley Bank was also one of the biggest purely because it involved so many startups. So there is questions about where all of the crypto companies are going to move to. Last week, we saw Coinbase, OKX, Crypto.com, Paxos, a whole variety of American crypto companies have to move from Silvergate into Signature. Now Signature, now Signature is gone, so we're not sure who everyone is going to go to next. We're in big limbo. But the biggest winners are ultimately the various banks. We saw Silicon Valley Bank get bought out in the UK by HSBC, and there are various other big banks that are now taking stakes in the smaller banks who have ultimately had to have some form of bailout. And not only is it because of that, but because everyone is at the moment scared to deposit their money into small and medium-sized banks, and particularly regional banks. There was a really shocking video of an Oklahoma congressman who went up against uh, the treasurer, Janet Yellen, and basically said, are the small banks in Oklahoma going to face the same bailout and insurance as the big bank we saw for SVB and the larger banks? And she couldn't give a direct answer. It's very clear that there's a two-tier banking system. And if your bank doesn't pose what they're calling a systemic risk, risk to American and global banking, you may not be insured, you may not be bailed out. So I'd ask you ensemblers, where would you be comfortable keeping your money? In a bank that may not pose a systemic risk and get bailed out, or one of the big banks where it's always going to be safe? Ensemblers, I wanna take you back a year when inflation was starting to soar and the Fed started increasing 
interest rates in order to curb the inflation. And what the Fed also did is they wanted to retract or tighten the balance sheet. It was getting a little bit out of control. But what we saw this week is, Dean, I know you mentioned before that the taxpayers weren't paying for this, but what we saw this week was the Fed actually expanded the balance sheet and spent an extra $300 billion this week, which wipes out three and a half months of the awesome work they were doing in order to tighten it, restrict the money, and then hopefully have a better impact on inflation. On a more positive note though, this week we saw that CPI was actually at 6%, which is better than expected for February 2023. It might have been better for this month. That's because all of the quantitative tightening has been working, but let's see what happens after this 300 billion was injected. The Fed currently has interest rates at four and a half percent, but because of everything that's happened with the not so bailouts, there's been talks in order to stimulate the economy a bit more that we may actually see some rate cuts by up to hundred basis points or 0.1% or 1% in the coming weeks. This week, Balaji, the former CTO of Coinbase, had an insane bet. He has now bet that Bitcoin may reach $1 million in the next 90 days. His arguments are summed up in the following ways. First, he says that central banks and regulators have lied as is massive risk to the United States dollars. So he looks at a report from November 2022, where the FDIC was worried about unrealized losses in bank portfolios. Second is he says that in 2021, Banks tried earning yield with long-term treasuries. As we explained last week, inflation plus debt has caused massive issues in the banking sector, and this may lead to a hyperinflation of the USD, according to Balaji. Third is bank balance sheets have massive unrealized losses, which would put them under by $500 million in each relevant bank. And lastly, he says that for the short-term periods, banks may not become more liquid, and only in the long term will their bonds become more liquid and therefore realized. It is a crazy bet considering that Bitcoin is just over 27,000 or approximately 40 to 1 from a million dollars. And a few people have actually taken him up on this bet. He's a very clever man. He basically was one of the first to call the insane, uh, insane level of COVID measures that would happen. He called it back in January before COVID started. Let's see if it's just engagement farming or he genuinely believes it. Either way, very bearish sign from one of the smartest of our generation. So to sum it up and in summary, Balaji is now saying that he believes Bitcoin will become the default value of the world. And if Bitcoin becomes the default value of the world, then for the first time, all the crypto DGENs can then say one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Amen. Let's go into Europe. We can all take a little bit of a breath for a second. I mentioned before that the contagion has started to spread and unfortunately it has spread across borders and across continents. This week, we saw Credit Suisse, the biggest bank in Europe, the credit default swaps go berserk. We saw Credit Suisse on the verge of collapse. We saw BNP Paris, the second biggest bank in Europe, go down 8% and, and trading was halted for them. It was a crazy week for the Europeans as well. Definitely a crazy week for the Europeans. And what we actually saw was the fact that Credit Suisse has been offered a buyout for $1 billion. For those of you who don't know what this actually means, it would be an 87% discount on the closing price of the share as of Friday. If Credit Suisse was bought out for $1 billion, then each shareholder would receive 27 cents per share. So this is either the biggest lowball offer of all time 
or Credit Suisse is in serious trouble. It definitely seemed like they were in serious trouble when initially they didn't get any calls for bailouts or backstops and they were turning to the Saudis of all people who en ended up saying no to them for regulatory reasons. The Swiss government came in and said they would backstop and this is also where it gets very confusing. Their valuation or their market cap is actually at $8 billion and the Swiss government are offering them a $56 billion loan in, in Swiss francs which of course is a lot more than the 1 billion that is being offered by UBS to buy them out. Obviously, it's not the government's business to take over banks, but it's a very serious loan compared to the actual valuation of the business. Europe also has had another week of protests with France finally upping their pension age from 62 back to 64. We know the French love a riot and this week was no different. It was this the French took to the streets and in fact it spurred on one of the biggest uh, decisions that Macron has had to make where he's come out and banned protests. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously 62 is a very young age, probably a younger retirement age than any ensembles or countries that you are listening in. So let's see what the French end up doing. Do they hold it at 64 or do they go back down to 62? Moving on though, Tim, what we also saw this week is the release of GPT-4. So that is an improvement from GPT 3.5, or what we've all got to know as ChatGPT for many of our ensemblers. GPT 4 can now solve difficult problems with greater accuracy, and it has more broader general knowledge and problem-solving abilities than before. I saw a tweet this week where they put GPT 4 to the test, and someone turned $100 into $25,000 in one day. Let's take a bit of a look into crypto. And the biggest story this week was Arbitrum, the layer two Ethereum scaling solution announced this week they were going to be releasing their airdrop for next week. Arbitrum is the biggest Ethereum layer two solution and they're gonna be shifting over to a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization and airdropping users the token. It is a hugely, if not the biggest anticipated airdrop of the year. So that will be coming for this week. I hope you guys are able to fill your bags on Samblers. And on Samblers, looking at the market this week, Bitcoin is up 33.4% to $27,300. Ethereum is up 21.5% to $1,790. And for the first time, USDC is back up to $1. So it is now back to being pegged with an increase of 4% over the last seven days. So those markets is really the big story in the Web3 world, but let's look at the traditional markets. And as we expect, not a good week. The Dow was down 1.19%, the S&P 1.1%, and the NASDAQ 0.74%. However, there are a few certain stocks such as First Republic Bank, which may be next in the banking collapse, which was down a huge chunk. And, and looking at Europe and particularly the English markets, the FTSE, which is the leading index in England, had its biggest drop of the year down a whopping 5.3%. So ensemblers, I ask you, looking at the traditional markets going down and the crypto markets absolutely ripping, are we seeing the narrative that less trust in the traditional financial system equals more trust in the digital financial system. Let's see how it plays out. Ensemblers, that's all for today. Keep stacking, hodling, building, and maximizing our ROI. And remember, you're not alone. You're part of our ensemble, trying to get a bit financially smarter every day.